we went out and, and actually very quickly raised money for this business. The Ross Institute is well known for cloning Dolly the sheep, so and they have a plethora of different exciting scientific things that are going on. It's it's quite outstanding. It was it was a great environment, basically. Every day we get closer to unlocking the secrets of our DNA. And this is a great story about one company which is pushing the boundaries. Wobble Genomics specializes in maximizing the RNA and DNA sequencing efficiency, which means we can discover and detect all sorts of biomarkers. I'm Kim McAllister and Wobble Genomics is one of many companies linked to the new hubs for the data-driven innovation program at the University of Edinburgh and Harriet Watt as part of the City Region Deal. This podcast is one of five exploring such stories. I spoke to the founder, Richard Cool and his chairwoman, Dr. Nicola Broughton, to find out more about this exciting company. So thank you both, Nicola and Richard, for joining me today. I'm really excited to hear more about Wobble Genomics. So what is it exactly for the non-scientific amongst <clears throat> us that your company does? Yeah, so I think that a lot of people know what DNA is. I think now probably a lot of people have heard of the term RNA, but maybe not with the same kind of understanding that they have for DNA. Uh, and so essentially what RNA is, is the product of DNA. So you can think of DNA as sort of this library of instructions. And in order for that library to actually do anything, those instructions have to be what we actually call it transcribed. So they have to be converted into RNA. And then the RNA can then go ahead and make those instructions actually take effect. I think we all sort of know that practically every cell in our body uh, has the same DNA, but actually every cell in your body has a different set of RNAs that are being produced. And these are the instructions for it to do whatever it's supposed to do. The instructions that the cells have for doing what they do is, is hugely important for us. It's telling us, you know, are our immune cells kicking in to fight off a virus? Are there any diseases that are forming that we should know about? So those are basically all in that information. So there has been this effort for, for quite a while to try to decode this. Um, and so one of the major challenges with respect to decoding these messages is that there's a lot of like very common messages that are used a lot. If you think about it, like sending emails, there's a lot of emails that are just like, oh, hey, how's it going? Which you're not really interested in. But then there's more important messages that are really defining what a cell does or if a cell is becoming problematic or if it's actually doing something really good. Uh, and so those are like those kind of urgent messages, but you usually don't get those very often. And so when we uh, look at trying to decode these messages, the technologies that we have to look at them can't really search specific messages very well. So we just have to kind of read it all. And as I think a lot of people can feel like similarity to your inbox can often be extremely full and you just, you know, unbearable. You have to go through that huge stack. So that's kind of the scenario that we have right now. Uh, so what we've developed at Wobble is essentially a technology that allows for kind of like the bringing up the more important messages so that they're a lot easier for us to access. And it does this in a way where, where there are other technologies that allows you to search for specific types of messages. So you could say, oh, you know, in your, in your inbox search, like search for messages that say urgent or something like that. But actually we don't really know what are the really important messages. So we don't know what to search for. 
So what our technology does, um, which we call Level Up, is it allows for these important messages to kind of rise to the surface without actually knowing what they are. And that's kind of the, the game changer with respect to it. That's amazing and a really good analogy because now I understand complex genetics. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So you developed this technology as part of your PhD. You knew you were onto something. You wanted to commercialize it. So tell me about that journey. To be honest, actually, before I started my PhD, I was very interested in entrepreneurial activities, specifically with biotech. I thought that there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of really exciting academic research going on, but it wasn't necessarily translating over to applications. And so I saw this great disparity with respect to, you know, what we had available to us um, in, in the biotech industry and in health industry and in agriculture industry versus what was, you know, actually possible from, from the academic side. So I had already kind of gone in with that kind of viewpoint. So once I realized the significance of the technologies that we were building, I approached the, uh, the Ross Institute, I guess they call them the Tech Transfer Office or something. I always get confused about those names. Um, and they, they basically set me up with Barbara Blaney. And so basically she helped guide me through this process of, okay, well, what do you actually need to get a biotech going? And it, it's a lot actually is, is the answer to that because it's not necessarily as simplistic as some other types of companies. Um, you have to deal with a lot more kind of regulations and oversight and things like that. And so, you know, that's why you see a lot of these Silicon Valley computer science-based companies just shoot up from, from nothing because they don't really have to worry so much about the ethics or, or other aspects of that where, and safety that, that we do essentially. So, so they helped me out with, you know, kind of understanding that side of things, getting business training. Um, I went to several workshops um, across the UK to, to kind of gain those uh, skills. Um, and then also seeking funding. So we got a, uh, an initial grant of around 20K from the B BBSRC through this uh, thing they call the Impact Accelerator. And that allowed me to do the proof of concept on the level up to actually show that it actually worked. And then from there, we were able to access uh, pots of money from the Scottish Enterprise, uh, as well as uh, the Innovate UK Eye Care program. And really what that helped me to do was build up essentially the, the portfolio around what the company would be so that going into looking at, you know, getting investment and things like that, it made it a lot easier to have those discussions because a lot of times what investors are looking for is just who else is back to you. <laughs> um, so it, it is sort of a snowball effect that you, you have to kind of get into. Yeah, it's a whole journey, isn't it? And I, and I imagine when you're dealing with what you're dealing with, it's, it's very complex. So I'd like to bring Nicola in at this stage. So when did you guys meet and, and what was that synergy like? It came a couple of different routes, actually. So I, I am quite often a judge on IKEA. So I look at the companies and, and recommend maybe which one should go forward to the grant. Actually, on this IQ, I was doing training on what does investor readiness look like? So my background is, so I've been creating university spinouts for over 22 years, both as a tech transfer professional, as an entrepreneur, and also from the other side of the table, I was an investor for six years, specifically into university businesses. So I quite often do these things where I do, what does an investor want to see? And so that's where Richard first heard me talk. And obviously I've created businesses with Edinburgh University before. So when Richard was looking at going on that journey, I was sort of brought in as that commercial champion to, to, to go through what do we need to set up here to bring investors in? And of course I've got a network of investors around me. I think where Edinburgh excels is, is they recognise the need to bring in somebody commercial um, to help support because there were so many different things. And, and you only know what you know, don't, don't you? So 
Um, it's somebody who's been through it before who can guide this is what you do now and this is what you do then so with, with this it's very much setting up the company as well as you know bringing the intellectual property into the business finding out the right hr structure and um legal documents as well as actually raising the money and and we went out and and actually very quickly raised money for this business I know why, because I, I'm somebody who, who's looked at these businesses before, but very much down to Richard's entrepreneurial mindset, the way he presents to people. The area we're in, the richness of the intellectual property, it's, it's all the boxes ticked. And, and it was very easy then to, to go out and sell this opportunity. That's exciting. And it must have been exciting for you, Nicola, because I imagine you've seen and heard it all over over more than two decades in this industry i'm sure you have some stories <laughs> I, I i most certainly do you really do see and hear it all certainly as an investor on the venture capital side you will see a lot of opportunities um you know it'd be hundreds a year for example wow um and it's it's finding that ability to quickly spot something that you think has got legs and certainly for me now on this side i call it this side of the table because i'm back on the entrepreneurial side it's me reaching out to my contacts who maybe have invested with me before. So I have to be absolutely sure that I've got the right opportunity to be taken to them. Um, and I knew pretty quickly with Richard that that, that was the case. Um, I've also known Edinburgh Tech Transfer for a long time, and, and they do provide a wonderful level of support to, to Richard. So it, it shocked me by how quickly we managed to do this. Um, you know, it does take time to build these businesses and raise money, trust me but it's all come together really rather nicely. And, and now we've built a team off the back of that. That's again, an exciting team for this stage of business and very much looking forward to supporting Richard to the future. That's wonderful. And Richard, obviously by your accent, we can tell that you're not Scottish born and bred. So I'm interested in how you came to Scotland and why you've stayed here to build your business. Yeah, so um, I'm actually from Los Angeles, California. I, I first came here, actually my partner, had gone into the vet school at the University of Edinburgh. And at the time I was at Caltech doing some uh, neuroscience research. I, I started getting interested in bioinformatics at the time. And I thought, well, might as well just go and do a master's bioinformatics degree at the University of Edinburgh. Because, well, one thing is that it's a one-year program versus two years in the US. So that appealed to well, me. Well, that's just sensible, but, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, then I came over and um, I just, I, I really loved it here. I, the thing that surprised me the most was just how friendly everyone was, which is a, just a very stark contrast to uh, how LA is. <laughs> and and, uh, and so it just felt, felt very welcomed. And the research environment was really exciting. We you know were able to do a lot of things that I hadn't realized. You know, I, unfortunately the stereotype about Americans of not having a good understanding of what is outside our borders uh, is I think somewhat accurate and, and I certainly fell into that kind of trap um, growing up but after coming here I realized how much you know opportunity how much exciting kind of technologies were, were going on yeah and so I just kind of got stuck into all the things that were going on at the Rosens too obviously the Rosens too is well known for cloning Dolly the sheep so and they have just a plethora of different um, exciting you know scientific things that are going on it's, it's quite outstanding it was, it was a great environment, basically. That's really good to hear. And it's, it's lovely to hear that you found people friendly because that is something that Scots are quite proud of. You know, we're very welcoming. We like when people come here and we, we try to make people feel welcome. So that's really nice to hear. And also, it also makes me quite proud that you were impressed with what was on offer here, you know, compared to California, which is kind of always held up as the mecca of, of tech and, 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 you know, startups as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that there's a very different vibe around it. I think 
And now I realize a lot of the people in California, um, they're doing a lot of exciting things, but it's almost quite stereotypical. They, they almost over-amplify what they're doing versus here, it's almost like it's under-amplified. And, and I think that is one of the, maybe one of the issues over here is that it should be amplified a little bit more. You know? I agree, uh, I they, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, you know, it's almost like a diamond in the rough where you, you go to a new environment and then you realize how much exciting stuff's going on. And people here just seem to just say, oh, yeah, it's, you know, that's what it is. Whereas in California, you know, they shout to the stars, you know, look at us, look what we're doing. And so it's a very different kind of uh, scenario. But it is very refreshing, though, I should say, to not have to um, um, have as many egos, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, floating around. That's, that's a really interesting observation. So, so it sounds like you're on a fabulous trajectory. And I know that you're quite passionate about telling the story as you go along and you're trying to break down these barriers between the science-minded and the non-science-minded. So why is that important to you? I, I've always been passionate about biology and, and health. And, you know, growing up, I've noticed this sort of trend uh, in society of people kind of becoming distrustful. Of, of health companies or pharmaceutical companies. And, um, and I totally understand why they have that distress because, you know, on one hand, I think that um, there is some, some things that are not very transparent. And then there's uh, also kind of a lack of, I don't know if it's a desire or, or understanding, but a lack of that communication with the public about what these companies are trying to do. And I mean, if you think about it, on the very basic level of what a pharmaceutical or health company is supposed to be doing, it's supposed to be helping people, right? And, and I think that we've lost sight of that um, as a community. And that's something that needs to be brought back where we're really focusing on that mission of helping people. But of course, when you help people, you can't just say, this is what's best for you. You have to, you have to explain that to them. You have to guide them and, and help them understand you know, why one thing is good and one thing is, is not good. And I think that, that there's been a lot of, unfortunately, failures of communication on that front uh, in the industry. And that has, I think, led to deaths, which is the, the saddest part about all this is that, I mean, I feel like people have died, people have suffered in terms of their, their quality of life simply because of this lack of communication. And it's something that, if you look at all the complex sort of technologies that we're trying to do, it's like, this should not be the, the bottleneck here. It should be you know, wide open, it should be easy for this to, to happen, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I guess as part of that, is that why you called your company Wobble? Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, there are a number of reasons why I thought that Wobble Genomics was a good name for us. Part of it is that Wobble has a biological meaning, first meaning, which is this kind of ambiguity with respect to how um, the RNA is translated into proteins. And then also, it's a term that I use to describe some aspects of RNA uh, when you do the data analysis. But on the other side of it, when I was trying to pick out a name, I did something that I called a Skynet test, which is essentially, I didn't want the name to be a name that could be used in, you know, a sci-fi movie to represent an evil corporation. <laughs> because I think that, you know, a lot of science companies go for these like precision or whatever, all these things that you would expect to see from that. But then actually a lot of times it just comes off as cold and very kind of robotic and and I wanted to have a more personal feel to the company because that was the, the culture that I was trying to, to, to basically engender. And Nicola, obviously you've seen and heard so much in the entrepreneurial sphere. Is the name of a company and what it, the connotations of it, is that important in the process? 
But I think when you're building a company from scratch, your culture is hugely important. Something Richard and I talk about a lot. What do we want the employees to feel in this business? And what do we want them to, we're relying on them buying into this vision as much as we are. And so it's important that we set the tone of the company going forward so they feel involved, they feel part of that story. And I think that's where the name starts to set that culture going, going down to the business. And this, just this whole focus on communication also must be so important for the growth of any company, right? Yes, yes, I, I completely agree. It, it has to be done at the right time. We talk about noise out there. There's a lot, a lot of businesses getting started but we have to tell our story both to the public and to the investors on why is this important? Why is it important to the, um, you know, to, to people who have health issues? Why is it that investors want to get involved? And that's where PR comes in. I think a lot of people only think about PR late in the day when they're thinking, actually, I'm going to launch a product. Now I need to think about my PR. Whereas actually if it's embedded, the, the thing I like a lot about Richard is he thinks about these things a lot ahead of time. So we've already thought about our culture. It's not an afterthought. We've already thought about our PR strategy. That's not an afterthought. Well, I know you're working on lots of exciting things and we can't talk about some of them right now, but Richard, can you give us a flavor of what to expect from Wobble over the next couple of years? Yeah, so, um, and I appreciate, yeah, there's there's some aspects of what we're developing that we're trying to, um, well, we're, we're holding on to for the, for the moment anyway. But some of the parts that I can talk about is that we are working with uh, a number of academic institutions as well as some uh, other industry uh, companies that uh, are basically using RNA technologies to improve what they're doing. And so this is you know, wide range from things like um, conservation efforts to uh, agricultural development and, and, and basically those fields. So what we are doing right now is essentially making sure that we can demonstrate technologies to these to these uh, entities and to prepare that for release as uh, essentially as a lab kit um, that they can then access and and be able to go forth and basically find all these important messages um, and we're also working on our software platform which is essentially enhancing this entire kind of process to allow them to discover more of these uh, you know important RNAs that might help us uh, identify how, how we can preserve uh, different species and different environments how we can improve uh, the crop resistance to uh, climate change and things like that, um, or you know how we can actually improve health, human health and help um, with with this whole you know personalized medicine front, which is going to be very exciting and is already I think starting to be quite exciting. It's all so exciting. I'm really I'm thrilled that you've told us your story. So thank you for that for both of you, Nicola and Richard, and very best of luck for the future. I'm sure we'll hear lots more from you as, as the years go on. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For listening and remember to check out the other four podcasts in this series. For more information on the data-driven innovation initiative, visit ddi.ac.uk or follow at data capital ed on Twitter. <laughs>